They say that experience is the best teacher, and the best way to learn from experience is to learn from others who have already found success. For this season of the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast, Michael has lined up a great group of successful people who will share their stories of how they got started and some powerful lessons from their accomplishments. He'll also be introducing you to people who are just starting on their entrepreneurship journey to share what they've learned so far. Success is not just about money, and we'll meet some people who have been successful in very unique ways. Entrepreneurship is an exciting journey, and we're glad to be along for the ride with you. Here's your host, the guy who knows a guy, Michael Whitehouse. Hello, and welcome to the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast. I am your host, Michael Whitehouse, the guy who knows a guy himself. And with me today is Lisa Santiago McNeil. She is the coach's coach. She's a coach and publisher, coach and publisher, born in NYC, raised in the Bronx. Lisa lives in Charlotte, North Carolina, with her amazing purpose partner and husband, Brian K. McNeil. From beginning to end, her story is about purpose. Yours, hers, and ours. There's a time and a purpose and a season for everything under the sun. She has experienced life from so many different vantage points, and in each age and stage of her life, she has decided to move forward and make the best out of every situation. And we were talking before we went on the air, and of course, she sent me some information before we started. And you have had uh, quite a few situations to make the best of, so I look forward to hearing a bit about that. So, Lisa, welcome to the show. Absolutely. Michael, thank you so much for having me on this show. You're the guy who knows a guy, and now you know a gal. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know quite a few gals. As I explained in the book, guy is non, non-gender non gender neutral, but the person who knows a person would be a crappy name for a book. It, so, I get it. Trust yeah. me, I get it. Yeah, so it's like, that sounds good. Absolutely. I'm excited to be on with you and to share these different vantage points, because as you point out, there's oftentimes when we're in the midst of whatever situation we're dealing with, we think it's the worst that could ever exist. And there's no way to come back from it Mm -hmm. until you see that somebody else has taken a similar circumstance that resonates with you, that gives you the hope that you need. And that is what I hope to do today. Yep. So my my traditional first questions are what makes you awesome and how'd you get started? And from what we're talking about, the that's kind of the same conversation because you've been through, you've been through some stuff. Yeah. So share with us uh, kind of your, your origin story and those, and those first challenges you overcame. Yeah. Well, the first challenges was just coming into being, I mean, I was, I was born from a very, very young mother. My mother was still preteen actually when she had me, she was a preteen. So there was obviously no one taking care of her to take care of me. Mm-hmm. So there was that tragic beginning. And then to slip up early on around two or two and a half years old, I actually was in the position of taking care of my younger sister and made her sick because I gave her a bottle that was spoiled. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously at two and a half, I should not have been responsible for that. <laughs> but honestly, those things make imprints on you that can shape you for a very long time. So feeling like you are a bad person or being feeling like you're bad or those feelings of guilt, even when they're not yours to wear, they can sometimes weigh you down in your growth and development process. And and so that was in the beginning. That was the beginning. And then learning how to overcome that only to be going from house to house to house because there was no stability to be in a place where now I was responsible for keeping people satisfied with keeping me around. I wanted to make sure that I wasn't a burden. Was that in the the foster care system? 
Well, it was it 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 wasn't tradi- it wasn't traditional foster care initially. Mm-hmm. It was just from friend to friend, from mother to friend, oh, to friend okay. to parent, to whatever, whatever. And then um, ultimately, Department of Youth and Family Services got involved, but they were able to find a distant family member. My mother's mother's father's mother, my great great grandmother, actually took us in. And gave us what should have been stability, except that she also had a predator in her home that Mm. was taking advantage of me, molestation, physical abuse, all from very, very young, five, six, seven years old. And again, being in a place where you think, you know, this is better than the street. This is better than, you know, not having stability, make the best of this, figuring that out only to get to the point honestly, at 13, where it was like, I can't take this anymore. This is wrong. This feels foreboding and overbearing. And I'm going to leave before I kill somebody. So running away at a very young age and then having to figure out how do you survive? You're 13 years old. You have an eighth grade education. How the heck do you survive? Well, that survival takes many forms and not all of them are ways that you want to recommend to someone else. Mm-hmm. But to be quite honest, entrepreneurship for me was survival. It wasn't a choice. I want to make something big, great, and be wonderful. I wanted to live without oppression. And so making that transition was difficult, going out into the world and doing whatever needed to be done in order to live, to finally get to a place where you are... um you're you're living you're feeling your your choices you're dealing with them around 16 17 18 using drugs to to block out the lifestyle that you have mm-hmm. because you don't want to really see the whole picture right so you're hiding from it so for probably about 8 years there was cocaine use alcohol use consistently and Honestly, it was a way to cope with the choices that you're having to make. So Mm -hmm. you're doing those things. I'm not making an excuse, but to finally get to a place where you think, you know what? I could do better. If I were just in a different place, I could be better. If I was in a different town, different whatever. So in this process, I finally said, you know what? I'm just going to leave. I'm going to leave New York. I'm going to go start over. I'm going to do something new and didn't know what that looked like or how I was going to accomplish it. But I began stockpiling money. I began stockpiling uh, resources. I got a U-Haul and a map and I drove, started driving to North Carolina. In that process, I had not yet left the drugs behind, believe it or not. I actually had them with me on this journey, Michael. I had... uh, a billfold of cocaine, a pack of cocaine, and I'm getting high talking to God on this journey to the new world, the new lifestyle, the new journey. And I literally heard God's voice say, so you're going to take the old you to a new place. Wow. And that was exactly the moment. That was, that's exactly the emotion that I had. Wow. Like really God? (laughs) (laughs) You know, wow. I I thought I was doing something. I thought I was doing something good, but I was still crutching. I was still using an old crutch, Mm -hmm. you know, and that old crutch got called out because God don't call. He he don't pull no punches. He tells you the truth. 
And a lot of people say, oh, well, you didn't know God back then because you were using drugs and having sex and doing all those things. Honey, God was with me the whole way. Mm-hmm. He was there. My my understanding of him was different. My relationship might have been different, but he was still very present. And when he snatched me up and called me on my crap, I put it down. I literally put the cocaine down at that moment and said to the person that was driving, I was in the passenger seat, thank God, at that time. I said, I don't use drugs anymore. Just said it out of my mouth. <laughs> I don't use drugs anymore. And they looked at me like they were like I was crazy. And they probably think I was. And honestly, I probably was crazy. I'm thankful for that break. Crazy Mm -hmm. just being different from who I was the moment before. Yes, I was a whole different person. And uh, started the journey into recreating who I was. Within three days of landing in North Carolina, I had a job. I was a receptionist at an insurance company. And I had an apartment. And that was a whole new life. 25 years old. That was a whole new life. 26. That was a whole new place for me. And then two years later, still with no education other than the informal trainings that I had picked up, I went to business school and I got picked up with IBM and spent 20 years with IBM uh, building, growing, going up through the ranks. And God just really ordered those steps and kept me. But he then surprised me again and said, when will you trust me? And I'm (laughs) like, what the heck do you mean? I've been trusting you with all of this. I don't deserve this job. I don't belong in this position. I don't deserve this house at this time. By that time, I had bought a house. And I said, I don't deserve all of this. I'm trusting you for all of it. He says, nope, you're not trusting me. You're trusting in the first and the 15th. And I'm like, what? He says, yeah, you're trusting on paydays. You're trusting in your first day of the month and the 15th day of the month. When you trust me, you will know that I put everything in you that you need to survive. And it began to shape the transition of becoming a coach and learning that those lessons that I had learned through life, through those circumstances that I thought would kill me, had actually created resilience, tenacity, different abilities of skills, gifts, and talents that I could now utilize to shape and form my the rest of my journey and help others to do the same. Wow. Uh, that's an incredible story. Uh, so a, a couple of questions. I kind of zero in on, on uh, you know, your transition out to, to North Carolina. You said in three days you got a job in an apartment. I assume you didn't just pull in and someone's like, oh, you seem to be uh, new. Why don't you come on over here? Be a job. We got an apartment right here for you. Real close. Almost, almost just the, the most welcoming city in the world. Yeah. No, it was real close. So there was a program that I had. Um, I, back then, we still had newspapers. So mm-hmm. <laughs> there was a program that um, that uh, was an alliance for helping uh, people in transition. Mm-hmm. And they would help you to create a resume and they would help you to find jobs. They had listings of like low income apartments and different things. And so they had an, uh, a person there, Mr. Capers, I remember him personally. And he helped me to create a one page resume and run over and apply for a job at Bank of America. 
And so none of this was pre, none of this was preset or predestined. It was predestined, mm. but none of it was preset. I had one skirt that was career uh, capable <laughs> mm-hmm. in all of my stuff. They sent me to the Goodwill. They uh, they sent me to the Goodwill. I bought a blouse to go with that to go with that skirt and my one page one resume and i went over to uh to to the interviewer and i sat down and i interviewed and i got the job and it was amazing because they gave me a letter of intent i took that letter of intent and the money that i had stole from new york mm-hmm. over to <laughs> tr lawing realty which i also remember the name of them <laughs> Because they were like the bootleg of the bootleg realtors, like hole in the wall, right? I took that letter of intent along with my money that I had accumulated, quote unquote, stole, right? Mm -hmm. And gave them the deposit. They gave me the key. In three days, I moved in. And then my journey to IBM was just as remarkable, which is why I said that God orchestrated all of this. Mm -hmm. Because at IBM, I didn't have the qualifications for IBM. I didn't have the the credentials for that. I had the skill, but I didn't have the credentials. I had learned some things self-taught that figured out things because I because I was a problem solver. Mm-hmm. Right? So uh, my mind was yep, very problem. Absolutely. And the problem solver, I went on the interview with IBM and the guy treated me like crap in there. Because remember, I'm a receptionist. I have a receptionist resume in here having an interview with this guy for a tier two help desk job. Mm -hmm. And he is looking at me like, what the hell are you doing here? And I'm still sitting there thinking, I don't know what I'm doing here. And so he finally says, why do you think that we should hire you for this job? Like as honest as he could be. And I said, listen, I know I'm a receptionist. I know that um, I don't have the credentials. I said, but my company uh, at this point, I have moved from Bank of America to insurance. I said, they don't have an in-house help desk. They don't have infrastructure to do this, this, and this. I've had to figure it out. I have gone ahead and fixed this office. They have allowed me to fix three other offices in the region. And I learned how to do all of these things on my own. And as soon as I get the credentials to be able to do it, I'm going to be worth a whole lot more. I said, so you can pay for me now, or you can pay for me later. And so- and he says, well, we're going to pay for you now. He says, how does $40,000 sound to you? At that time, I was making 19002 So 40000 so- sounded like the lottery. <laughs> <laughs> and they hired me as a contractor for six months. And they picked me up in three months to be full-time. They paid for all of my certifications, all of my licenses and everything, only for 19 and a half years later for me to say, I quit. I have to leave because this is not my purpose. My purpose was to show that it could be done, but this was not my lifetime purpose. My purpose is to now inspire and encourage other women and a few good men to know that you are not what they said you were. You're not worthless. You're not hopeless. You're not useless. You have purpose and the world is waiting for you to step in it because somebody 
can't be who they need to be until they hear your voice. Wow. It's you that they're waiting for. Yeah. And I th- think as you talked about, you know, people saying if God was with you or not back when you were, when you were, you know, doing what you had to do to survive. And it's obvious, you know, from this point in the story that all that was necessary. You know, if, if you'd grown up in a, a good, good, healthy family, went to college, got a job at IBM, you'd still be at IBM. And I'm sure you'd be doing great, you know, whatever yeah. you're doing, running a good help desk or, or, uh, you know, run some, be a good project manager or whatever, but you wouldn't be changing the world the way you are now because you wouldn't have been prepared for that. Absolutely. Uh, So, so how do you change the world now? So I change the world now, first and foremost, by standing in my truth. I don't shy from anything I have done or I have uh, been. However, I stand in the power of who I am now. And I help to encourage and inspire others who have had humble beginnings to help them to navigate through that, almost to mine through it, M-I-N-E, like a mining Mm -hmm. field, and find all of the skills, gifts, and talents that were left for them in there so -hmm. that they can now embody them and utilize them for the purpose that they are intended. I often help them to, many many of my clients go on to be coaches because once you figure it out, you want to reach back and pull through. And so I help them to establish successful coaching practices that help them to tell their story, share it and encourage others to do the same. Hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm reminded of uh, a sales manager I had once who grew up in Queens and certainly not a, not a story like yours, but he grew up in a tough neighborhood and he had to learn how to be quick on his feet and, and quick, quick witted and, and, and always have the right word on the tip of his tongue because it was a tough enough neighborhood where if you didn't, you might not get old enough to get a job. And, and, and one of the, you know, and so, so he's a phenomenal salesman because he always knew the right thing to say. He was never caught flat footed. Um, he was always thinking three steps ahead. The problem was he couldn't teach it because you had to grow up in dangerous parts of Queens in order to learn his skills. So he tried to teach me, you know, I grew up in, in, uh, the nicer part of Massachusetts, not the really nice part, but you know, pretty safe part. Wasn't really a, a boot camp kind of setting. And, and he couldn't teach me because he was relying on natural talent. Yeah. to to do what he was doing but but you know it sounds like you're you're helping people you know with that kind of background to find those natural talents that they have because you know from his dangerous upbringing he became an incredible salesman from a lot Absolutely. of people I'm sure they learned to be resourceful they learned mm-hmm. to to sell to hustle to work 12 hours a day to, to always find the angle or the opportunity you know there's, there's a lot find of the different angle, assets. to find the opportunity and to be able to translate it into purpose. You know, it's so important that the things that we get to do with, even with uh, helping, particularly for me, is particularly helping women mm-hmm. uh, to, to be able to make choices based upon what's best for them mm-hmm. as opposed to what life has dealt them. And what I found or what I realized through all of it, it was money. It was money. If we had, if we, being the collective women, right, if we, whoever the oppressed person is, had the money to make the the decision that was in their best interest, Mm -hmm. they would be able to make a better decision. They wouldn't stay in a bad situation because their husband has to pay the bills or because, you know, whatever the situation is to stay in abuse because they don't have any other outcome, because they don't have an education, because they don't have whatever. I still... um, I'm always reminding people that it doesn't take a PhD to become great. 
mm-hmm. you know, because life has given me more than a PhD. I have a, you know, I have my doctorate in mastering staying alive. Yep. And I'm grateful for that. And there are some commutable um, skills, gifts, and talents that you can teach. And one of the things is that, that I am a very good teacher. Mm-hmm. I am I am very good at helping people to understand and apply what they what they've learned so mm. that they can make the best of it. So what are some of the, the transferable skills that you find that people have from from tough backgrounds that they're able to use in in life and business and entrepreneurship that, that they don't realize? Yeah, absolutely. Well, resiliency Mm-hmm. Is definitely one you can you can come back. I know you were talking about the gentleman uh, from Queens and being able to quick to to think quick on his feet or whatever. Those things those fall in a category of tenacity. Mm-hmm. But understand that sometimes it is the skill that you're just tapping into. It is that rock bottom skill that is the one that can birth the biggest success. Because when you get to that place where your back is up against the wall, where there's only one choice to live or die, and you finally say, I choose to live, that skill is a skill. If you can regenerate it, and like I can use my imagination to recreate that moment almost at will, Mm. it will keep you from feeling stuck. That stuck place is what holds people back from from what they need to have, that comfort zone. When Mm -hmm. you start employing so much creature comforts that you can't understand what it is to live without them, you're putting yourself in a position where you can lose so much because you forget that that stuff is only a product of you and your energy, your work and your effort. Mm. Yep, yep. Absolutely. One of the things I've... I've, I've noticed is, is before, before bad things have happened, you're always worried about what if, what if, what if, what if, once the bad things are in your memory, not in your imagination, then, uh, yeah, I've, I've had a few, um, again, not, not to compare to your stories, but I've, I've had a few stories that were up there with the, you know, what if back in, in 2018, I was involved with a company that was also kind of a social community mm-hmm. that imploded. And it was just such a, such situation. We didn't know who our friends were anymore. And like, these are people who had been watching our daughter and we thought they were good friends and suddenly they're not. And they're spread, you know, things are being spread and false, uh, false reports to, yes. to government agencies and all kinds of stuff going on. Um, and once that ended, we came through it. I'm like, huh, that was not pleasant, but we survived. We survived. So, and then, Absolutely. you know, when another storm cloud be in the horizon, be like, that's eh, probably not going to be worse than the last one. If it is, we survived the last one. So we'll Absolutely. be okay. Once you realize I've been through that and, you know, your story, I imagine, you know, if, if you call a, call a prospect and they hang up on you, it's probably not, not earth shaking. It it can't be, but you're right. And that's actually what, one of the things that I have, I do talk about a lot is if, if you were to close your eyes and you think in your mind about that worst circumstance, that worst situation, that moment that you thought life was ending, that moment that you thought there's no way I can come back from this. And you get to that place where it begins to create emotion, where it begins to bring back that memory. And all you have to do is open your eyes and it's behind you. Mm -hmm. You are the full and complete conqueror of that thing that was the most foreboding moment in your life. 
that is an amazing moment. Absolutely. That's incredible. Yeah. And yeah, I think once you, you know, you get past that fear, it makes you unstoppable. Mm-hmm. You are unstoppable. Yeah. Yeah. It's like uh, the, I think it's a, a samurai concept of, of before going into battle, um, considering yourself to have already died. So in your mind, you're already dead. Now you're going to yes. go fight. And if you come out on the other side and you're not dead yet, well, that that's a win. And, if, on you. <laughs> and you know, if it looks like they're about to kill you. Well, of course they're going to, you already died. And, and, you know, that, that made them terrifying warriors because they weren't mm-hmm. afraid of anything. And because they weren't afraid of death, they were much less likely to die. Yes. And I think you, you see that in business all the time. If you're afraid of failure, that's going to make you fail. You know, people are going to see it on you, smell it on you, hear it on you. Absolutely. And if, if you're you approaching and be like, can. this is nothing. That's right. We all know the quote, if you believe you can or if you believe you can't, you're right. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so what are, what are some of the things you've been able to help people with? Um, and, and what are some of the ways you're able to help them to, to find their, their greatness? So one of the things that is going to be necessary in that is first coming face to face with what you believe happened. Now I say that very, um, casually, but it is really severe because a lot of times we believe something happened the way that we think it absolutely happened. But you got to remember your memory is from the perspective of who and what you were Mm. when it was happening. And so all of the vantage points and all of the perspective in that memory are from who you were at that time. So for me, when I was two, the vantage point was, how did you make that baby sick, right? How could you do that? It was crazy. But then from the vantage point of a 35, 40-year-old person looking back at this experience happening to a two-year-old that should have never been in that position, they are able to now show them the strength that that two-year-old actually exhibit in that time, the strength and the ability that they actually accomplish. Well, while it may not have been a success, it was still successful attempt. Mm -hmm. This was a two-year-old who was taking the responsibility to feed a crying baby. That's a baby taking care of a baby. So a lot of times it's because we're we're misinformed as to our history, whether it's our memory, whether it's because somebody retold the story to us and left out some pertinent parts, we get to go back and look at that scenario as if it is from the vantage point of who you are and what you know right now. I know that a two and a half year old should not be responsible under any circumstances for a one-year-old, period. And anything that they did, if I saw my two-year-old grandchild taking care of my one-year-old grandchild in any way with care and love, I would applaud and celebrate them. Right. Even if they were failing, I would applaud and celebrate Mm -hmm. them. And so in that, I then had to forgive the time period that I misburdened myself with being inadequate, with Mm -hmm. being not enough with failing at something that I should have never had the the responsibility for. And then I had to compound that forgiveness. Yes, you can compound forgiveness. Because now I had to to forgive the people who had me in the circumstance that, that allowed that to happen. But then I had to compound that forgiveness because my mother was but a child. Now at 30 or 40 years old, I can look back 
Uh, well, at, at 12, I'm looking back and says, how could your mother leave you in this situation to be taking care of the baby and making the baby sick, right? That is a child thinking about it. But now if I move to 15, to if I move myself to 30 years old, I'm looking back at it. I wouldn't leave a 12-year-old responsible for a two and a half and a one-year-old without giving them instruction, without giving them what they needed to take care of them. So then I had to forgive the circumstance that my mother was in. Mm-hmm. I had to forgive my mother and I had to go on to compound that forgiveness again. I had to forgive her mother for allowing that to happen and so on and so forth until I got to the point that it was nobody's fault. All the fault is gone. Now let's take on some responsibility. Mm. All the fault is gone. I've healed of the fault. I can't fix fault, but I can take responsibility. Yes. Yes. Love that. Right. So I can't fix the fault. I'm going to leave all of that alone. But now what can I take from this? Mm-hmm. I can take from this the strength, the ability, the tenacity, the resilience, all of those capabilities that probably should not have even existed at two. Put my Superman cape on mm-hmm. and fly off into conquering the next amazing thing that is necessary. Because if I could do that, then I could do anything now. Love it. I, I, I love what you said about responsibility. That, that is that's the difference between fault and responsibility. Because so often people are like, not my fault. It's not my fault. And, and I was pointing out, well, if it's no one's fault, who can fix it? Right. Fault means, you know, fault is blame is responsibility. Responsibility is power to fix it. If, if, you know, if you have a relationship and, and both people are fighting all the time, if one person, uh, let's say one person has a bad temper and that's why they keep getting into arguments, well, the person with the temper has the power to control their temper. If they control their temper, they can stop fighting. But they have to admit, it's my temper. I need to control it. So I'd be like, well, it's not. If you didn't make me angry, I wouldn't have a temper. Well, okay, now you go round and round and and the relationship falls apart. But if someone could take responsibility, that's how you can actually change things. Absolutely. In all honesty, there's there's responsibility for everyone. Mm-hmm. There's responsibility for everyone. But everyone, what the mistake is, is that people try to assign responsibility. Mm. Mm-hmm. Stop assigning responsibility and take some responsibility. Yes. You can fix everybody in your chair. You can <laughs> change everybody in your shoes. And so when we get to that place, I think it's one of the, I can't remember which decision it is. Uh, Andy Andrews, the, the, um, the, I think it was the second decision, but anyway, the, the responsibility is like you said, it's real power is real power Mm -hmm. because now I can change how I react or respond. I can change how I internalize or whether or not I have anything to do with it. There's a lot of things that go on in our world that I know impact our world, but I had to get to a place where the only things I focused on in my world are the things that are assigned to me. And I do my daggone best every day to make the things that are assigned to me polish and shine to a high gloss. And I can't focus on other stuff Mm -hmm. while I'm doing that. If it ever changes where it becomes my responsibility, then I will shift my responsibility. But right now, my responsibility is in helping people who have 
been through circumstances that are denying them their power when they look back on them and they think it makes them small and it thinks it makes them they think it makes them inconsistent inconspicuous it they think that it makes them worthless it is my assignment right now to show them that they are greater than their past mm -hmm. and greater because of their past absolutely Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's that's amazing. And, and yeah, so often I run into that with with people not taking responsibility and because it's easier not to. If you're not responsible, then you can say, well, there's no obligation. If, if you can say, well, what's well, the economy? Well, it's capitalism. Well, it's 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 because of where I live. It's because of my education. It's because uh, my boss is, is a jerk. If you can blame something external, there's nothing to do about it. Absolutely. And I guess I might as well just go home and you know, get drunk and high and watch Netflix because what can you do? <laughs> what can you do? That's, you that's can no... make the world a better place in your sphere, yes. in your space of the world every day. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah that, that's that's what, what so many people need to learn. And so, so one of the challenges I run into is as I try to explain this to people and often I'll show them like, here's the path. Here's mm -hmm. what you can do. You know, you're, you're working at McDonald's for 12 bucks an hour. But you have a car that functions, you could do DoorDash for 24. Well, 20 if you pay for your expenses, you know, if you really want right. to get picky at it. You can do that for 20 with whatever hours you want and launch your business. And they're like, no, no, I, I can't do that. No, no. Even though there's no reason they can't, they just don't want to. Yeah. There is a reason that they can't, Michael. There is a reason. The reason that they, they can't is because they have, they don't believe that they can't. Right. You know, the if you think about the um the the elephant story where they train the elephant right. with the rope, mm -hmm. you know, and a lot of times we've come through our lives where we were trained but now it's perpetuated. It's not even just us. There's generations prior that were perpetuating that you go to school, you go mm -hmm. to college, you get a job, you work for 40 years, although that's probably going by the wayside now, but you work for 40 years, you retire, and that's how you live a good life. And entrepreneurship is now coming, making a breakthrough where people mm -hmm. are realizing that the skills, gifts, and talents that they have innately that can help improve someone's life through service that they may have can and will sustain them. Right. They get to create the lifestyle that they desire. I get to create the lifestyle that I desire. I've replaced my income from IBM and I don't have to report to a boss. Mm -hmm. I am grateful that I help hundreds of people that I don't have to wait until they're qualified through HR to <laughs> know the value of them and what they have to offer. Right. Yep. That was one of the limitations with IBM. I couldn't help just whomever I wanted to help. I helped lots of people, but they had to be qualified through IBM goals and standards in order to even qualify for my support and assistance. Mm -hmm. And so in this way, your experiences qualify you, your resilience qualify you, and your ability to stand is what qualifies you. So so how do you help show someone who's who's not ready to believe that, not really not ready to take take that responsibility and that power? Um, how do you get them? To, I almost said, how do you convince them? Which I'm sure is not the right yeah. word, but how do you get them to see that and, and make them realize that they can take action, they can make it better? Yeah, so it really is, it's, it's not my job to help them to see that it can be done. 
Um, that comes that comes when you get to the place where you're fed up with the conditions that you're in. Mm -hmm. But I do um, offer lots of opportunities for people to come and hear and be surrounded with the greatness. We have women's groups where we get together. We share stories of overcoming. They talk about where they used to be and where they are now. And that will often inspire someone to say, you know what, if they did it, I can do it too. Really mindset is a choice. All of it is a choice. You can choose that the life that you're living right now is where it is, but quite often there is a bottom or a back against the wall or a season that comes practically for all of us. For women, it's typically around 35, 40, um, where you realize, you know what? There must be more to life. And why is this person getting it and I'm not getting it? Mm -hmm. And when you have that shift where you start to feel like, you know what? This is not enough. That's when you need someone to shore up that faith. You need someone to come alongside you and say, you're right. I'm glad you're finally getting, getting it. Let's get some skills. Let's get some tools to help support this new mind shift and then build it through journaling, build it through prayer, build it through reinforcements so that you can now build upon it to really become who and what it is you are intended to be. So you're saying I should not be trying to drag people out of their misery and get them started, but I, I need to wait for them to figure it out themselves and then help them get there. So it's, are we, if we're talking about sales, if we're talking about sales, there are ways to help people mm -hmm. to come along to your side. But if we're talking about a mindset change, if we're talking about something that's going to help people to change their lives, sometimes it's about exposure, nurture, and attraction. Yeah. And so you can't force them just like nobody could force you to read the Bible, to beat you over the head, to go to church and all those things. It took mm -hmm. a moment. Sometimes it took a love interest, right? Maybe you met the love of your life and she mm -hmm. loved God. So you said, well, I better love God because I love her. Whatever it takes to yeah. inspire that connection. But force is really not what we're looking to do. Yeah. And, and that's been something, and I have a business, like I, you know, I'm, I'm learning all these things as a coach and through all these interviews and through all these conversations. And then I'll talk to my friends who are just miserable and stuck and can't get moving. And, and I, I don't want them to, like, I'd work with them for free, except that you probably learned this too. When you coach someone for free, you both get out of it what they pay for it. Uh, and it's tremendously frustrating because they're not, they're not invested, not engaged. But if I could, you know, I'd give my time for free if it would help them but they're just not ready. And I'm like, oh, come. Uh, it's right. Just step step through the door. There's the door. <laughs> just go through it. Just It's right on the other side of the door. Oh. And Absolutely. I can see that it's right there for them, but they can't see it at all. No. Um, and, and that's, I think, one of my greatest frustrations is, is like, how can I help them see Continue that? to let your light shine. Mm. Continue to be the amazing, successful, happy Michael that you are. And those that see enough of it and decide, you know what? I want some of what he's got. I want some of that energy. I want that relationship with my partner. I want that lifestyle. They will ask. And when they ask, you get to share with them just a little bit. You want to give a glimpse because a lot of times I know for me as the coach's coach, when I first started out, like, what? You want some? Here you go. Come on, let's get it. I'm going to give you everything, right? No, sometimes they just need an appetizer. And then say, listen, if that made you, if that enlightened you in any way, and you're serious about moving to the next level, 
Let's schedule some time together. I want to take you seriously. And let's really talk about what it would take to transform your mind so that you can transform your life. But it really has to be about the individual's choice. It's our job to encourage that choice. And it's our job to showcase that the choice is much better on on this side. You know, come on in, the water is fine (laughs) type of thing. But it is also our choice to let people make whatever choice that they want. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great way of putting it. I love that. <laughs> that is good. And it's, I I still get frustrated watching people and <laughs> struggle. <laughs> yes, but, yeah. I get it. But I, I think you know that that's the nature of some being a coach. You 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 want to help everybody, and to be like ah, I can't, but I want to, and it's just information. It's yes. not even. It's not like I need to give them a a building. They just need to know to walk through the door. But yeah, mm-hmm. you, you can't you can't. Uh, uh, as I said in, in the Matrix, I can only show you the door. You have to choose to walk through. That's right, red pill, blue pill, baby. Yep. It's <laughs> all about. So if somebody's heard this and they do want to, uh, they do want to walk through the door with you and learn more about you, how can they? How can they find you? Absolutely. Well, they can find me on all of the social medias as Lisa Santiago McNeil. So that's Facebook, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn. And uh, YouTube, Lisa Santiago McNeil. My website is IamLisaSantiago.com. I encourage you to check out the website, see some of the authors that have already helped to really share their story and stand in the power of their truth. And you can even schedule a one-on-one consultation with me, no pressure and no charge, just to see if you are in a position where you're ready to take a journey with me and that I'm the right me for you. Love it. Now you have a podcast too, I believe. Yes, actually we're in our fifth year, Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. My husband and I host the Empowerment Duo. Let's talk about it with the Empowerment Duo. You can find us wherever podcasts are, as well as uh, we're a video podcast and we're live at 9 a.m. on Facebook and LinkedIn at the Empowerment Duo or Lisa Santiago McNeil's page. Nice. And that's Eastern time zone. And and you said you do that every day live? Monday through Friday. Wow. That is We have over a thousand, actually over more than a thousand podcast episodes right now. That is impressive. Do that uh, so it's like that's almost three years. Well it's five years. Oh five years. Oh right, Yeah. yeah, five days a week. That's right. Yeah. Um I was saying three, 365, but it's 200, what, 220 days. I think it's 220 weekdays. Um, you can do but, math because I yeah. don't. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, but that's... absolutely. It's a lot of fun. Our show is personal conversation, business information, and spiritual inspiration with a little bit of shenanigans thrown in. We have lots of laughs, lots of insightful conversations, as well as a little bit of shenanigans because it's necessary to keep you smiling. Got to have some shenanigans. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. This has been great, inspiring and inspiring and slightly shenanigansy, but mostly <laughs> it's inspiring. Um, people should definitely check out the Empowerment Duo. Your show sounds like a lot of fun. And uh, that's IamLisaSantiago.com. And all those links will be in the show notes for anyone who wants to check that out. So, Lisa, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Michael. You have been an amazing host, and I have enjoyed myself as well. This has been the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast with your host, Michael Whitehouse. This great theme song is by Patrick Howard. If you found this valuable, please subscribe, leave a review, and share this podcast. 
Find the full archive of all episodes at guywhoknowsaguy.com slash podcast. Check out my other podcast, Morning Motivation. It's a daily podcast of two to five minutes with a powerful hit of motivation and inspiration to get your day started. Morningmotivation.fun or search for Morning Motivation wherever you listen to podcasts. Join the community online in the Morning Motivation Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Morning Motivation Podcast. JV Connect is coming up quick, December 12th and 13th. If you are looking for a networking event where you can meet people who aren't looking to just pitch you or take, but actually want to collaborate, build strategic partnerships, joint ventures, maybe even find some mentors, some coaches, people to support you, accountability partners, who knows? If you're looking for good people in an environment that's not stressful, but is set up to give you a lot of great connections in an efficient amount of time, check out JV Connect jv-connect.com. That's jv-connect.com, December 12th and 13th, 2023. We'll see you there.